Hey guys, welcome to the No Season 2 podcast. Once again, I'm George with my good friend, Megan, and we are talking about my so-called life. Very heavy, heavy episode. Episode 15, So-Called Angels, original air date, December 22nd, 1994. But before we get into this heavy, heavy episode, Megan, we haven't seen each other in a couple weeks. What's been going on? Well, I took like a spontaneous trip. Uh, My best friend from childhood uh, was in Nashville for a wedding. And then they were going to New Orleans. So I flew into Nashville. And then the next day we flew into New Orleans. And all of us were so relieved to get out of Nashville. <laughs> because it's just like, I'm, you've been, right? Oh, many times. It's like just an endless stream of like bachelorette parties. Oh, sure. Like one after the other. And like, I'm not really into like honky tonk. So <laughs> right, right. Broadway's like very loud. And we were like, how do we get how do we get out of here? But then we all like New Orleans a lot better. Like they go a lot. And I've only been one time and we did like a, we had like fried chicken at like two 30 in the morning. We got it from like a convenience store. And when I tell you it's the best fried chicken that I've ever had. in my life. I believe I, I know that place. Was there like a line around the building? Yeah. It was like called brothers, I think. And it's like an inconspicuous like convenience yeah. store. And there's like, a man wearing a vest that says police, but I'm pretty sure he's not he's like sitting at the front. So yeah, good no. time did a, did a ghost tour, then flew back and then was back to the grind. Yeah, there's uh, Nashville. Uh, I spent a good bit of my life in Tennessee from college to post-college. And Nashville was one of those places that was like a never-ending bachelorette party where everybody's mm-hmm. named Ashley. <laughs> but it's like different spellings of the name Ashley. There's yeah. A-S-H. L E Y or A S H L E E or A S H L E I G H or A S L I is. I mean, if you put these women in a lineup, I would not be able to, <laughs> to no, distinguish any of them. It's all very much like Pinterest 2012. Sure, yeah. No offense um, to you lovely no, people that, no that love Nashville and live there, but... Megan and I, we got nothing but love for, for Tennessee. I lived <laughs> like 10 years of my life there. Nothing but love, but that's something. It's it's a lot. You have to really be like you gotta be in the it. mood. Yeah, you gotta be into that. Yeah, gotta be into the mood. We skipped recording because you were sick, and then we skipped recording because I was like, I'm out of town. Are you feeling better? You're drinking your tea, like... I am drinking tea. I don't, I don't know how to take care of myself. It's like, uh, like the moment I feel better, I was like, all right, back to, back to normal, which is uh, drinking and staying up till five, watching TV and smoking cigarettes and back to bartending. And then like, I get sick again, like a week later, I was like, this is what happens when you don't take nights off. I'm 45 years old, listeners, so I should probably know better. But every, every year I do this exact same thing. I cancel all my, all my stuff to do this evening. Because I can't make it out because I feel like crap. But we're drinking tea, we're recording a podcast. I'll be all right. Will you? <laughs> we'll see. I got I got stuff to do the next few days, so we'll see what happens. Have you considered just not drinking for <laughs> not going out? The listeners know that I'm a bartender and I had to work nine straight nights in a row, oh, which yikes. which is, in bartending world was like, are you crazy? That sounds so awful. I, it's pretty bad. But the cool thing is, is like I realized that in order for me to do this. We can't drink. Nice. So for, I, I was doing pretty well. <laughs> I went seven days. I went a full week. Mm. And then by like Thursday or Friday, I was like, all right, I think we're almost at the end of this. <laughs> You're like, time to party. Let's, 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 let's get a drink in. You were, but, you were taking then, a flight to Nashville to go, <laughs> like go to a bachelor exactly. party. <laughs> but even then, I was like, I could probably do this. It was like, it'd still be okay. I didn't, 
I didn't miss it. Mm. It's not as if I'm like a heavy drinker anyway, but like it's it's one of those things where like you're not gonna find many bartenders who don't drink. It's just yeah. the, the nature of the beast. But uh yeah, no, I felt pretty good, worked out, slept halfway decent, aside yeah. from my cat walking all over me. But then like I had like a couple nights, so I was like, fuck it, we're staying up till five. So <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that, that just wipes it all out. Just, like, I was all that so tired when I got back. I was exhausted. <laughs> well, I'm single and I don't know what to do with myself. I did buy some new books to read that are sitting on my desk. I'm using <laughs> I'm using them to prop the mic up. <laughs> You'll get around to reading those maybe 2025. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another another pandemic. Uh, I think it's a good way to it's a good way to end it. Let's talk about episode 15. I've got some questions for you about the episode. I think we're on the it's one of the few times that we're that we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum of what we thought of this episode. So before we get into all that, are we on the opposite end? We haven't even. Discuss. So. Well, I mean, like uh, I, you said, you watched it three times, and I watched it once a week ago, and I watched it this morning. Oh, I think I, think I like it better the second time. But we got a lot to talk about, so let's just get into the synopsis. Megan, take it away. I mean, I watched it three times because I watched it twice, like two weeks ago, and then I watched it once oh, yesterday. Sure. And my background, I have, <laughs> I have a Zoom background uh, with a little Christmas tree in the background to get into the spirit. Um, right. I, I failed to mention that. that. That's I don't know how to do that. I saw the same background. <laughs> well, that's because I have like a bathroom like right behind me. So that's not like a good look oh. for anything. I, I want people to appreciate my movie posters. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is very long and I apologize. So to start, we don't get the full intro for this episode. We just get a title card right before the episode starts. So after that, we see a beaten up Ricky bleeding, stumbling in the snow, and there are voices in the background. And then an instrumental Silent Night starts playing. And then this fades into Angela playing the notes of Silent Night on the piano at her house. Danielle, who is very annoying in this episode, is complaining about (laughs) Angela getting a new bike when she was 11. And Patty's annoyed that she got a Christmas card from a family she took off her card list. And then Angela asks her parents why they don't go to church. Patty and Grammar caught off guard when Angela asks if they believe in God, and they kind of stutter that you can believe in God without going to church. And then Danielle asks if they're going to keep talking about religion because it's Christmas. And why, why would you talk about religion on Christmas? At school, Angela and Rayanne are in the hallway. When Ricky comes up to them, Angela is shocked by the sight of Ricky's face, which is bruised and beaten. And he says that he slipped on a patch of ice while running to catch the bus. Angela doesn't believe him. And Ricky asks if anyone has changed so he can get a candy bar before class. Rayanne gives him some money. And when he leaves, Angela asks Rayanne if she believed what happened to Ricky. And Rayanne says, probably, I don't know. And then she says that he has a tendency to get beaten up and he does doesn't like talking about it. Sharon is wandering the halls with flyers for the teenage helpline, which Rayanne makes fun of. Sharon sees Brian and reminds him that he signed up to help on Christmas Eve, and he freaks out, which he does many times during this episode, and he tells her to unsign him up. Back at the Chase house, Patty and Graham are all getting ready to leave for the mall, and we find out that Bernice and Bob Krakow, Brian's parents, have gone on a 10-day cruise and left Brian home alone. Graham also keeps calling Patty Shorty, which is never explained and very annoying. Patty tells Graham that she wants to go to church. (laughs) I don't know this awakening that she had after Angela asked this question, Um, that she wants to go to church on Christmas Eve. And he's like, if you want to go, go, but I ain't going. 
That was Graham's answer to that. Mm -hmm. While Angela's parents are gone to the mall, uh, she's taking out the trash and she's scared by Ricky hiding in the bushes. Um, She invites him in and he said he was over at Brian's and he thought he'd stop by. He says that he was over at Rayanne's and Amber's boyfriend, Rusty, was there. And boy, is he unfriendly. That is Ricky's characterization of Rusty. Danielle says, sees Ricky and she's like, isn't it kind of late to drop by? Which if the mall is still open, I don't really think it's that late, to be honest. Ricky feels embarrassed and turns to leave, but stops to say how the house smells amazing. Angela asks Ricky if he's hungry. Um, While he's eating, he says he must have forgotten to eat lunch. We hear Patty and Graham come back in. Patty's asking whose wet footprints are in the hallway. And then she sees Ricky in the kitchen. He apologizes and says he'll clean it up. Patty says it's not a big deal. And then she not so slyly asks Angela to come into the living room to try something on. Graham asks if Ricky was in a fight. And Angela says that Ricky said that he fell. Patty said it's late to be having friends over, which again, does not really seem that late. Angela says she doesn't think Ricky has anywhere to go. And Patty says maybe her and Graham should go talk to him. And Angela says that would just make it worse. And can't he just stay for one night? Patty tells her that it's not their place. And what if his parents are expecting him? Staying here isn't the answer. Ricky has been listening to everything and leaves. I'm starting to think... (laughs) Uh, that Patty was a little um, still reeling from her encounter with Amber after getting involved there. So Ricky is standing outside of a supermarket. There's no place like home for the holidays is being sung in the background. Jordan walks by and he almost ignores Ricky like he doesn't recognize him. But then he asks him if he needs a ride somewhere. Ricky gets in Jordan's car and tries to think of a place to go. Jordan says he knows a place he can crash and then tells Ricky that his dad used to knock him around too, but he hasn't done it in a few days because because last time Jordan threw a chair at him. Ricky tells Jordan that he'll light a candle for him on Christmas Eve and Jordan scoffs asking if he thinks it will change anything and Ricky says he does. Back at the Chase house, Patty is having a crisis of conscience and asks Graham if they were wrong about Ricky. Graham says they weren't wrong and Patty asks what do they even know about him? They've never met his family. How are they supposed to know what his situation is? Graham says I know but then he says that he thinks Ricky may makes her uncomfortable. (laughs) She's like, because he wears makeup. And then Graham is like, what if it was Brian Krakow? Would it make a difference? And he's like, maybe it shouldn't. And it's like, what side are you on, Graham? You were just like, oh, we did the right thing by not getting involved. And like, now we're like, maybe we should get involved. It's like, try and stay in one lane. At school, Angela is asking where Ricky is. And Rayanne seems pretty unbothered about it, telling Angela to stop acting guilty. And she can't save everyone, I guess. Brian is freaking out again, saying everyone talks about Christmas like it's the second coming, which I'm pretty sure is actually Easter. Sharon is still trying to convince him to help with the teen helpline. And it's obvious that Brian is sad about being left alone for the holidays, but he is still very annoying and hard to feel sorry for. In the bathroom, Sharon word vomits all over Rayanne about how overextended she is this holiday season and how Brian was supposed to help. Rayanne's basically just in a bathroom stall and Sharon thinks that she's a good listener and Rayanne says she always has to listen to her mom's problems, but her mom's sex maniac boyfriend, Rusty, is staying at the house and she wants to be somewhere else for Christmas and Sharon is basically like well you could volunteer for the teen helpline on Christmas Eve which sounds like a nightmare um we see Angela writing a note to put in Ricky's locker when she hears singing coming from the music room it's this homeless girl that has been shown a few times like at the beginning of the episode and kind of like wherever Ricky is Angela asks her what song it was that it was beautiful and the girl says it's a song she fools around
around with and that she'll probably be working on it forever. The girl asks if she's Angela, Ricky's friend, and that she doesn't have to worry that she's been looking out for him. The girl leaves as Angela's trying to ask where Ricky is and she bumps into Jordan. She asks if he saw that girl and that she knew where Ricky was and Jordan asks if he's still crashing at that place, which is an abandoned warehouse on Tennessee Avenue. Jordan says he'll take Angela there. So at the warehouse, Angela sees this homeless girl again and she brings Angela to Ricky. He obviously kind of freaks out (laughs) that she's there and she asks why he can't go home. He doesn't answer and she tells him that he's coming home with her and he says he's not going to sponge off her family. She says it wouldn't be like that and that it's tomorrow, that tomorrow is Christmas Eve and he can't stay here. Ricky's a little indignant. He says he's not going to be here for Christmas, that he's going to his cousins and that she better go because she doesn't belong here. And Angela's like, well, neither do you. And Ricky yells at her that he can't talk about it with her because she's Angela and that if she wants to help, she should leave him alone. Obviously, Angela's a little upset and as she's leaving, she passes by the homeless girl's room where she's sleeping and Angela takes off her boots and leaves them for the girl because the other girl's boots were obviously have a bunch of holes in them because homeless. When Angela gets home, her family is nearly done decorating the Christmas tree and Brian Krakow is also there because he exists. Angela tells her parents Ricky is fine. Her parents go to start dinner and Brian asks what's wrong with Ricky and Angela goes, excuse me, but why are you here? Which is the exact same reaction I would have upon seeing Brian Krakow in my house. Brian whines that her dad invited him. In the kitchen, Grandma and Patty overhear Angela tell Brian that Ricky's parents beat him up and that he's scared to go home, that he's been sleeping in a warehouse. How there are kids there with nowhere to go and that there's one girl that when you are talking to her, you forget that there's any difference between the two of you. Patty realizes Angela was at the warehouse and is like, do you realize what could happen to her in a place like that? Graham tells her not to panic and Patty says, we have to do something. We have to do the right thing. And Graham says, who are you? Spike Lee? (laughs) And Patty does not think it's funny. And honestly, neither did I. Um, The next day, Patty and Graham go to the police station (laughs) to report a situation. Um, They say their daughter's friend a good kid is living in an abandoned warehouse that they want to help. The cop is as useful as you would expect a cop to be in this kind of situation. Patty and Graham realize this is kind of dumb, but what are their other options? The cop asks if the kid is a runaway or a throwaway. Patty is like, oh my God, and scans the bulletin board of missing kids. She lands on one of a missing girl, which is the one that Angela has been talking to. When they come home, Angela is setting a table with two extra plates. She tells her mom she's going to invite Ricky and the homeless girl over for Christmas Eve dinner. Patty tells her that she can't go back to that place and Angela's like, what did you do? Did you call the police? And that they have to go warn the kids in the warehouse. Patty and Angela get into an argument and Angela's like, this girl could be me. Which I don't really think so. So upstairs later, Patty is fighting with a ribbon on a present and tells Graham that she had an upsetting fight with Angela. Like the fight was having her. She tells Graham he should go speak to her, but he says that she went out for a walk. Patty, alarmed, runs from the room and there's a quick shot of Angela crawling through an opening at the warehouse and then a police being like, don't be scared, come with us, which is like not what you want to hear police say. At the house, Patty is freaking out, trying to leave and of course, Brian is at the door and Graham ushers him in and ushers Patty out. Brian's watching a Christmas carol on TV and pulls out a flyer for the helpline and he calls and of course, Rayanne answers. He basically says he's depressed and Rayanne is like, I don't want to make this better. Is it 
if I pretend like I'm a phone sex operator. And she does, and it's gross, and I hated it. While Patty is looking for the warehouse, Angela calls from a church basement, and Graham tells her to stay there, that they'll come get her. Patty stops in front of a church, and she thinks she sees Angela because of the boots the girl is wearing, but it's the homeless girl. Patty tells her that she's trying to find her daughter. The girl is like, I'm no different than her. I had a mom. Clean sheets, all of that. And Patty's like, there but for the grace of God. Go on. And then Patty asks her why she left home, and the girl says that she got into a fight with her mom, the kind where it seems like the fight is having you. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Mm -hmm. And then she asks Patty what else she wants to know, and Patty pauses and then says, how did you die? And the girl is like, I froze. And then Patty asks God to help her, and we hear a choir humming Silent Night. Patty turns, and the girl is gone, and then Patty goes into the church. We see Ricky lighting candles at an altar. And when he lights the last one, he like prays and does the sign of the cross. Then he turns and he sees Patty. He starts to cry and then they embrace. And then Angela comes up the church steps and sees Patty and Ricky. Ricky and Angela hug and then Patty and Angela hug and it seems like all is forgiven there. There's a small choir singing. Graham, Brian, and Danielle arrive at the church and see them sitting at a few listening to music. While the music is still going on, we get a shot of Rayanne and Sharon at the helpline laughing, eating cookies, not helping anyone, and a shot of Jordan lighting a candle. At the end, we have the chases, Ricky and Brian leaving the church together, and we see the girl looking down at them, and then she turns, and we see her angel wings disappear into the night sky. So, that is the episode. Megan, everybody. That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. Uh, Before I go back to what you said about Patty and the reluctance to help because of because uh, that was an interesting point. I want to give uh, listeners some production notes. This episode was directed by Scott Winnett, W-I-N-A-N-T, Winnett, sounds about right. He's uh, directed episodes of Carnival and some other TV shows as a TV director. It is written by uh, Winnie Holzman, our showrunner, and uh, Jason Katems, 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 uh, Jessica Timms is this third episode that he wrote. He wrote The Substitute mm. and Life of Brian and another production note about Jessica Timms. He actually wrote one of my favorite bad movies from the 90s, The Pall Bearer. I don't know <laughs> if we mentioned that on our podcast. Is it, isn't David Schwimmer in that? David Schwimmer is in, is in <laughs> I've that? I've seen that, yeah. Uh, I actually tried to watch it the other day. No bullshit. Because I saw somebody was like, oh, The Pall Bearer. Background about Jessica Timms was like, oh, he co-wrote The Pall Bearer. I love that movie. <laughs> So let's just get into it with the, as far as the episode goes. How did you feel as an episode? Did you like this episode? Or? Okay, so I did like this episode. I liked, I mean, I, there's things I don't like about it. Like Brian and Rayan, that whole Brian and Rayan thing where Rayan's like, oh, what are you wearing? Oh, I'm unzipping my pants. And I was like, good That's Lord, notes. kill me. But Ricky's storyline, I enjoyed as like a weird word to say about it. But I thought that was well done. I needed for it to open the way it did. Mm-hmm. I needed for that whole episode just to be about his journey. Yeah, I was hoping it would be more of that less of like I didn't need like a helpline. No. I which every teen show had. I didn't need right. like the Brian Rayan thing. No. I honestly could have done without Danielle in this episode cuz she was like really annoying. Correct. But like I thought Okay, so I know I give Jordan a ton of shit for being a 30-year-old man going to high school, (laughs) but I do think that he was kind to Ricky and showed more depth. Like, we get a lot of depth when we see, like, Jordan and Ricky interacting, (laughs) Jordan and anyone else. 
So he did he did well there. One of the things I liked about that scene, I think you probably agree with me. With this, I like the fact that like it wasn't him just trying to save him. It was like, hey, mm-hmm. I, I was like, you and I have something in common. I was like, I'll take you to this place. Yeah. As compared to Angela, was like, we had to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You should be staying here. It was like, and I thought that was a well-written scene, even though it was very short. Yeah. I would have taken more of that, less of, again, Ryan and Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, to open the way it did, it was because it's the cold open, which you mentioned yeah. there, synopsis. It's like, I knew that episode would be just about his journey. I could do without, don't get me wrong, I love this wonderful life. I watch the movie every year. I could do without that part of it. Mm-hmm. The, the shots of, like, uh, him walking around in the snow, which is, like, basically like what they were doing with Ricky's character. I could dumb it out that. It is a good episode of television. I would have trimmed the fat of that other crap. And then the Ryan and Brian stuff did not do it for me. So I think maybe compelling was the word I was looking for, but there is like a compelling story in terms of Patty's journey of helping. I think if you were to watch this episode without having seen, was it the previous episode, the Rayanne episode on the wagon? If you hadn't seen that episode and you had just seen episode, you'd be like, wow, Patty's a real fucking bitch. Right. (laughs) Like, Like not helping. But I think we're seeing... I mean, maybe this is, maybe I'm reading more into it and creating more of a story than the writers for my so-called life. But there was that episode where Patty got overly involved with Rayanne and got her ass handed to her by Amber and was feeling really dumb. Mm-hmm. And I can see how that would make you hesitant to maybe want to get involved. And then like Graham just was I don't know what he was doing. He was Switzerland. He was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, we don't need to help him, but we could if yeah. you wanted. But I'm not saying we should, but I'm going to let you be the sole bearer of this decision. And I'm just going to be Graham. I'm just Graham. He he did make a terrible comparison. It was like, what if that had been Brian Krakow? It's like, what? <laughs> it was just like, it was just weird because up until that point, he had basically been like, like, we don't need to do anything. And then, like, in the background, on TV, in their bedroom, is It's a Wonderful Life right. playing. And then Graham is, is like, no, we did the right thing. But what if it was Brian Krakow? And it's like, what are you doing? Like, Did the parents do the right, did the chases do the right thing? Did the chases do the right thing? I mean, I'm not sure going to the police <laughs> was the right thing. So I can feel like that could have ended differently. <laughs> Instead of like the cops bringing all the kids to a church basement, bring all the kids to like the tombs, <laughs> lock them up. I feel like it's how that might go. Yeah, that was. And that cop was a real like, mm, I've been in this job for 60 years and kids are throwaways or runaways. <laughs> He's in a category of mine at the, towards the end of the, episode, <laughs> the podcast. We'll get into that for a second. There is some interesting, I guess, storytelling elements that I rather enjoyed, whether it was uh, Shannon Rand's interaction in the beginning of the episode. Hmm. Because, like, we've been telling their story a little bit of them being kind of frenemies, frenemies or, or as this, like, sort of the devil and uh, the good person on Angela's shoulders. Mm-hmm. So, like, their interaction is kind of, like, is kind of entertaining because, like, at the beginning of this episode, they have that, that quick banter and Sharon, shout out to her, was, like, <laughs> kind of destroyed her. Yeah, because Rianne says, oh, couldn't talking to some like someone like you push a person over the edge? And then Sharon says, over the edge, isn't that where you live? Or something like that. Which I was like, boob, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, they're like, 
kind of kicking it. So mm-hmm. that was, I did like that to book in the sort of like their story. I also, as much as I didn't enjoy the uh, Angel stuff, and I get it, it's a reference to uh, It's a Wonderful Life and blah, 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 blah. I did enjoy Patty's, uh, the line that she has in the sort of middle part of the episode that gets said back to her by mm-hmm. the Angels, like the kind of fight that is having you. Yeah. Once again, that's a great way to like the book in another story element of it. We should have this conversation now. The uh, the Angels played by Juliana Hatfield, the uh, singer-songwriter from the, the 90s, who, oddly enough, I saw in concert a couple years ago. So, I mean, Juliana Hatfield has been around forever. The song that she plays is only only exists under my so-called live soundtrack. So, okay. shout-outs to Juliana Hatfield for playing our angel slash homeless girl in this episode. There is a line that I, I want to talk about that I, I found that kind of amusing. Once again, we have... Uh, we talk about this in several episodes. It's like, is Rayanne a good friend? I guess the lack of concern about Ricky's face was was kind of not my favorite. Yeah. But she does have this line that I thought was kind of interesting and kind of fun. And the line is, uh, maybe he's at the Salmoneo Film Festival. <laughs> Which I which I kind of chuckled, and for our listeners who don't know who Salmoneo is, he is the uh, he's a bisexual Italian American actor from the sixties and seventies. He got out for an Oscar for Rebel Without a Cause. So I I thought that was kind of kind of entertaining. It's like maybe is that the Salmoneo? <laughs> Clearly written by an older person to, to, like, <laughs> to make that kind of reference from a movie star who died in the nineteen seventies. But so I don't know who wrote it. I I did enjoy that line. What are some of the other things that you liked and disliked from this episode? Because I think you liked it more than I did. Um. What did I like? So I don't know if you noticed. I'm not sure if I liked it, but it was like an interesting choice. And I think they also did this in like the Halloween episode, like that weird like flange on like the like that, you know, that sound like when the music is going or like people are talking and it's almost like an echo. Sure. But like a reverb or something, which is like so I also know I had a problem with like the in the Halloween episode, the sort of mystical Sabrina the Teenage Witch factor of like time travel and I don't know why but on like a Christmas episode I'm more forgiving of like weird choices okay okay (laughs) I don't know I don't know why but like the angel thing didn't bother me like I thought it was like I thought it was dumb but it like didn't bother me like the angel wings at the end because I think it was telling the story of like when she's in that music room and she's like oh I'll probably be working on this song forever like maybe she got her wings and like she's gonna finish her song because like they were able to like kind of help Ricky right (laughs) and see that's and that's part of of the reason why like we're dealing with some like heavy heavy stuff in this episode why do I need that fantasy element to tell a story and that's kind of where it loses me that is true I mean but that's kind of where it loses me I mean you open with this our main character a character that we both love beat up and coughing blood on the sidewalk I mean like that's it's like I want to see what this journey is so I mean I don't know I I feel like we're getting in next episodes we're going to be getting more of that I think I think when you're like a network show you have to have like a Christmas episode sure sure and I think this is like an interesting choice for a Christmas episode in terms of the story that they're telling right because it's not I feel like it could have palatable as not the right word but I feel like it would have been easier to maybe have it be like a Rayanne episode like saving Rayanne kind of thing but Ricky is more marginalized than any other character on the show correct and in the 90s like 
you know, it's not a great time for marginalized no. people. No, not great I mean, now. Coming but... out of, no, but I mean, it was way worse. It was like, like, there's a little bit of hope with the Clintons, but like, we're still coming from Reagan era. Bush. The, the homeless problem. Yeah, Bush. It's like, we're still coming from some some parts of uh, parts of like America that were kind of like, meh. And how the, the, the AIDS epidemic was handled yeah. in that and how like that was handled in the 80s and early 90s was kind of was an abomination. So. so I think it's like an interesting choice to like focus on Ricky for the Christmas episode. I yeah. mean, granted, you have like Angela like doing, I mean, at least she's doing something. Rianne's not doing anything and that's like no. her best friend, right? Right. Well, we don't want to get too far in the weeds as far as like uh, what this episode. I liked it. I didn't love it. But I know there's there's some things that come that sort of maybe satisfy what I feel about Ricky's journey, which is for me like the only part of the show that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. Which kind of <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get into some of our categories. So what was your favorite fit from this episode? Um, so like, I actually didn't write any down, but because I was so caught up in, in this, but, um, when Patty comes home from the police station or whatever, she's wearing like a red, like silk button down blouse mm-hmm. that I really like with trousers. So I thought that was a good outfit. And honestly, that's like the only outfit I can remember <laughs> outside of Ricky's like coat. There is a shirt that Brian Krakow was wearing. It's a long sleeve checkered polo shirt with two buttons. Buttons. Mm-hmm. I like that shirt because I actually had that shirt. So <laughs> I think I was, I wanted to be a Jordan Calano or dress, be as cool as Ricky, but I was secretly <laughs> a Brian Krakow, especially how I dress. So he was your like style icon. <laughs> he may have been. I wasn't creepy like that. You weren't sitting in a tree in the neighborhood, like no, photographing women. Exactly. I wouldn't ride my, my, my bicycle around the circle <laughs> just for no reason. <laughs> but I did have that shirt, so I thoroughly enjoyed Brian's. Uh, I think that was an item you got a structure. <laughs> more, more structure. Oh my, I haven't thought about like structure in <laughs> years. Was a structure shirt. Oh my God, that like, that is such. Because <laughs> we didn't have structure where I grew up. So when I would go to visit like relatives and go to the mall, all these stores that we didn't have, structure was one of them. And I was like, oh my God. What was the, what was the, what was the sister sh- uh, store of structure? I don't remember. The th- on the Google machine, but like I'm listeners, I am from a DC suburb in Northern Virginia. And if you're from like that part of the country, you have like Hex and you have like the big shopping malls and structure was, uh, was one of the, one of the major stores in our, <laughs> in, in our, in our mall. And I, uh, Structure Store 90s. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking up the the stuff. I'm like, holy shit. I haven't thought about Structure forever. Express. Well, Express is still around, but Express I don't around. think it's like Express. in its heyday. <laughs> Express was the uh, was the other version of, uh, of Structure. Sorry, Express. I know we're not getting any sponsorships from you, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rock your Structure joint. I mean, like all that stuff from the 90s is coming back anyway, so. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, rock and structure joint at the, at, the, at the bar. You could probably find something on eBay. <laughs> I may, I may just buy a structure shirt just for shits and giggles. <laughs> let's let's talk about the music. Of course, we've got it being a Christmas episode. We've got our, our Christmas songs, whether it's Silent Night, Home for the Holidays, Away in a Manger. Mm. But we have two, I guess, like major needle drops. Julia Hadfield's singing "Make It Home," which is. What she's singing in the band room, mm-hmm. which uh, once again is only on the My So Called Live soundtrack. But the, I think the ultimate needle drop, as much as I like that song, the ultimate needle drop, of course, is the choir. Oh, yeah, the choir. Yeah. I feel like Going Home, which is a uh, Muddy Water song from the 50s. When I watched this the first time, I watched it. Yeah. 
during work, <laughs> working hard or hardly working. Yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> during when I was eating lunch, so whatever. And the the end <laughs> the end of the episode when they're when Patty sees Ricky and Ricky's like at the altar lighting candles for Jordan Catalano. And I hope so. The choir. Okay, I did cry. <laughs> I don't know something about choral music at Christmas time and like Ricky's so sad and like the girl froze to death and like I don't know you Graham have a exists. soul it's okay <laughs> Brian exists and it's a lot to process so I teared up I I cried yeah you have a soul it's okay <laughs> I did not I did like that version of that song I thought that was quite good so that's my my needle drop moment and here we are, Megan, our final segment. Big winner, big loser. Let's do loser first, because my, my big winner is kind of an odd choice. But who's your big loser of this episode? I mean, we, <laughs> probably I'm, I'm okay. So I guess Ricky's like parents, oh. <laughs> his uncle, I mean, he is beating him up. Outside of that, I was not a fan of Danielle. Very annoying. Very annoying this episode. She was she was a tough hang this episode. I wasn't a fan of Rayanne. Rayanne also annoying. Because the whole, like... Kind of a tough hang, too. The whole, like, phone sex thing was, like, I didn't need it. And I wish what, someone what? had taken it out because I don't think it was, like, necessary for the... I think a better option... Like, a better option would have just been to make fun of Brian on the phone, honestly. Like, have Rayanne make fun of Brian on the phone. That would have been a better option than, like, the sex thing. It was it was a weird choice. And I, and I get maybe what they were trying to go for. Like, a bit of this levity, levity. this heavy, heavy... Yeah, and this heavy episode. But it felt like it was in the wrong episode. Episode. Yes. Because we're already dealing with one person's story that's kind of dark. It's like, why? I don't know. To be honest, also, like, Brian's story was a little dark. I mean, I hate Brian, and Brian was annoying in this episode, but he was like, his parents left him alone. For t- I mean, I guess they did ask him if he wanted to go visit his sister, his older sister that we didn't know he had in Colorado. But he's like, right. oh, I'll stay in sunny for my PS18. And, and, and married, by the way. <laughs> And he realizes that he's lonely and even his surrogate family, (laughs) the chases aren't fulfilling for him. And I realize that like Brian is a lot like Steve Urkel where he's just always there right, at the sure. house. You open the door and he's there. You never see his parents. He's yeah, pining like, after a girl that like doesn't like him. And Brian he's, have an alter ego. He doesn't have an alter ego. Brian, like, he can't turn into like a, Brian, you know, Brian, a different Cacau. version of himself that's more yeah. attractive and better. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I was like, there is, I don't know many parents who would leave their 15-year-old child at home by themselves for 10 days. That just, that's just, that just seems kind of ridiculous for me. It's like a recipe for disaster. But. Yeah, it was like, uh, whatever. I mean, I don't even know if my parents would ever do that for like a day. And I was like, <laughs> my big loser is the police officer <laughs> that we get, we get for yeah, about one minute of screen time. He's disheveled. He clearly had like a Roger Murtaugh and like Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this shit stage of his police career. He see he can give a fuck about what's going on with the with the, the teenagers of Pittsburgh. So I feel like he auditioned for loser. like NYPD Blue and like he was he was in a totally different show. Whatever show he was on, it was a totally different than my so called life. He's like, are they a, a runaway or a throwaway? <laughs> and then it's like a runaway. They don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. A throwaway. They're pushed out of their own volition. I yeah. mean, like I was like, all right, hold your uh, hold your daughter close. <laughs> NYPD is on the same network as like 
he was like an extra there. They're just like, <laughs> right, we like, need go get this guy. He was terrible. He was he was B plus, which is B <laughs> bad plus terrible. Was he terrible so, because of the acting, successful. or was he terrible because his character was terrible? Because I mean, his character was terrible. The acting is awful. I was like, just, <laughs> what, which, which show are you on? <laughs> Yeah. And he looked, he looked the best. We always try to end on something positive. Who was our big, who was your big winner? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess like, I guess like the homeless girl. I don't know. Julianna Hatfield. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's like in various moments, like people were doing stuff that made them like, you know, okay. Like Jordan giving Ricky a ride, finding him a place to stay. Would I call him a winner? I don't know. Patty, finally, I don't know, doing something, getting over her trauma of being yelled at by Amber Belong. Well, a winner, Angela with some very, very white savior energy. Totally, totally, um, totally. At least she cared. At yeah, least she like cared Rayanne. about Ricky, which, I mean, Rayanne is like, who even knows? But since it's the Christmas episode, I'll give it to the Christmas angel as the winner. Fair enough, fair enough. The female Clarence, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You got to keep that. <laughs> um, my big winner of this episode is Sharon. <laughs> and I think the reason why is because the characters are at this age that, like, of course, like colleges are around the corner. And usually you'll sign up and do stuff that you that makes it sound good on a college application, mm-hmm. whether it's like teenage helpline or feeding people at the, at the homeless shelter. The thing that made Sharon the big winner, she set up for the, the teenage helpline. She actually seemed to be really into it. Yeah. As compared to like the vast majority of people who were probably that age or just doing it to make it sound good on a college and whatever the fuck admissions. Did you ever sign up for a teenage helpline? No, but I wrote like a, like a dope paper. Dope. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't sign up for anything. <laughs> but I wrote like a dope paper that got me in the University of Miami. So, mm. oh well. Life could have been a lot different had I gone to work. <laughs> Life could have been a lot different if you had been channeling Sharon and not Jordan Ex- Catalano. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so my big winner is Sharon because like she seemed to be really into being in the doing the teenage helpline. And at the end, the, the cool little moment that her, her and Rand had, even though they despised each other. I guess. But how many, how many people did they help? Okay. Oh, probably zero. How many of the people that the call they're still alive? Yeah, yeah, it's like... <laughs> I guess Brian. <laughs> two. Two people called. <laughs> I can't Three, imagine calling, people. like, a teen helpline. I guess it was... It wasn't put on by the school. Because if no. it was, like, put on by the school, that would be, like, definitely not. But I guess if it's a third party, no. <laughs> then, yeah. Because then you end up talking to someone like Rayanne. Right. The Teenage Helpline is such a 90s thing. Like It was on, like, every... I'm pretty sure Saved by the Bell had a teen helpline episode. I believe they did. I I know 90210 definitely had one. I know they did. Um, Because, like, Andrea, the Sharon. That's right. (laughs) The Sharon of 90210 was doing it. And I think um, Brenda helped and someone called. Yeah. And whether or not they actually helped that person is up in there, too. (laughs) I have something that before we we, uh, depart on this episode and say goodbye to episode 15. Does my so-called life steal some things from 90210? Uh, yeah, I think I've established <laughs> that, like, in every episode of this podcast, okay? Like, uh, yes, the help. I mean, so I don't know if they're, like, stealing it or if, like, all these shows are just 
Sure. Yeah, in yeah. the same pool. <laughs> and they're just like commingling. They're playing in the same sandbox for sure. Yeah. But I mean, like, because there is also the Christmas episode of 90210, one of the Christmas episodes. They're like on a bus. Okay. And they're going to like a children, I don't know, homeless kids or something like that. It's always like homeless people with these shows. They're going to like one of those things to like give gifts to like kids that don't have homes. And so they're right. on a bus, but they're all fighting. And then there's like a voiceover of like these two angels, like how can they help these kids? And the one angel's like trying to get his wings, like like Clarence, right. like Juliana Hatfield. <laughs> and right. I think the option is that they're all gonna die in a crash. <laughs> Not funny, guys, but come on. Like the bus is gonna <laughs> the bus is gonna like crash and they're all gonna die. But they all like they figure it out and they make up and so like the bus actually goes through like the truck that they're supposed to hit, like mystical. Mystical nonsense that we got in this episode, too. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know when that episode came out. So, maybe, maybe, maybe not going to copy this. I don't know. But I don't I guess so. it's like, it's like of a scene. So, like, uh, yeah. it's kind of like when you look at music from the 90s. When you have something like It's a Wonderful Life, I think that the chances of a network show ripping it off are going to be high. It's, very, it's a very specific reference. Yeah. Once again, I do love that movie. I know. It's not like hot take. It's a good movie, but he didn't save the town. The one who no. <laughs> the one who gave him the money saved the town. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, and also the two things that I take away from that movie as I've gotten older, Uncle Billy has gotta be one of the worst employees. <laughs> That's why you don't hire history. family. <laughs> That's why you don't hire family. Hello. Also, I like how the worst thing that could happen to Mary is that she would have been like an unmarried librarian. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, you're hideous. You work at a library. <laughs> Go walk in the water. <laughs> put stones in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, there is a. Uh, I, I do get like a little annoyed with the casting. Like Jimmy Stewart is fucking old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even Jordan Catalano wasn't that old. Guys. I was like, yo, dude, you are fucking old. <laughs> How do you think this episode stands up to like other like Christmas episodes? Um, like I said, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I'm annoyed by a bunch of things about it, but like <laughs> as far as an episode, not a bunch of things. I'm annoyed by a few things, but I did like it. So you're annoyed by not enough Ricky. Yeah, not enough Ricky. The mysticism. Not that into that. <laughs> not into that. It was a choice. It was like definitely a choice I was made. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to leave uh, episode 15. We know we've got some, we're going to be finishing up some storylines coming up in the next like four episodes of this show. So. <laughs> we have to because there's no season two. <laughs> there is no season two. Ah, that's the name of our podcast. <laughs> Once again, guys, I'm George. That's been Megan. We will see y'all next week. And in the new year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>